We're going to just do something a bit different. We've come up to the 17th at TPC Sawgrass and we're just going to sit and record half of this episode of The Slam here while watching players come down. We're actually on the other side of the 16th fairway, so we're sort of looking at the 16th green over across at the 17th. It's still pretty early, only a handful of groups have gone through and 17 is pretty rammed. I've got my colleague Hannah Holden with me, so how we're going to do this is we're going to record, Hannah and I are going to record a few minutes here and just chat about our week and then with some technical magic, some editing magic. We're going to have usual co-host Matt Chivers on later to talk about the end of the golf. But right now, as we're recording, it's Sunday lunchtime-ish, local time. The group of Justin Thomas and Tom Kim have just gone through 16. They're approaching 17 now. Hannah, hello. Hello. How are you? Good, thanks. I'm at the players. You're at the players, the sun's shining. <laughs> We're not in England where it's snowing. We're not in England. There's a ridiculous amount of beautiful people around. Speaking of which, we just walked past Adam Scott. I didn't even see him because I was gawking at my phone. And you were so close. I, I, you were basically breathing down his neck and you didn't even notice he was there. I literally shoulders with him and I sort of almost half turned to apologise and then you said, oh, that's Adam Scott. I think one thing I will say is that up that close, just remarkably beautiful man and smelled very nice. But why are his trousers always so baggy? I know, he's, for someone who is generally considered a conventionally incredibly attractive man, his dress sense is pretty unique. He was in beige again as well. Obviously. His trademark. That's his, his tiger Sunday red. He did actually wear turquoise on Friday, which was a shock for everyone. I know that. It was like, I'm in Florida, I'm going to put a bit of colour on. We've spent a lot of time around 17 this week. How have you found that experience when you compare it to, you know, as someone who's been to tons of golf events in your time. How have you found this experience this week? A bit weird. Like we arrived at the start of the week expecting it to be packed and it wasn't. Like it's very different to say like, I guess my point of comparison is going to like the Open in the UK because it's like the similar, most similar level of event given, you know, this is basically nearly considered a major. And like on the practice days there, it's still round. And even like the first few days, whereas here it really did not get going till Saturday. And then suddenly it was absolutely packed. But it's almost like Americans are like not interested in good golf. Like they want to see someone make a hole in one on 17 or someone hit it in the water. Like if you hit it to like 15 foot, middle of the green, they are not interested. There's no it's hilarious. There. It's very they're funny. just like more interested in their beer or their cocktail. I mean, it's like, it's quite interesting. I think. There's a much broader mix of people watching the golf here than you see back home, which is nice. Like, there's a lot more kids and families here. There's also a lot more women here watching, um, which has been really nice and surprising. But it's definitely like, it seems more about having a good time than specifically coming to watch the golf, apart from if you're in very specific groups, like say, with really big American stars, like your JTs or your Spieths or stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, the one thing that we, I mean, we, we got here for the first group, which actually included Min Woo Lee, who later on might go on to be the champion. <gasps> oh, oh, who was that? JT! JT's in the water. Oh, that looks so good as well, and it's side spun off the green. 
you will have got more cool. of a reaction to that though than if he'd have hit it to 20 foot. Like, yeah, if he'd hit it, if he'd they just, wouldn't even yeah, if, it, if they hit it to the middle of the green, it's just sort of almost silence and a, and a polite clap, isn't it? I have seen people, honest to God, hit it to eight foot today this week on some holes, and no one even acknowledges anything's happened. Yeah. It's the funniest it's really thing bizarre. ever. When you think in the UK at the Open, if someone puts it on the on the people middle of the would green, go mental. It's it's a it's a polite clap. There, there think, is that old saying about. British golf fans being more knowledgeable than American golf fans, but I'm not sure I've seen any of that this week. But I think that kind of is it though, like they just appreciate that 10 foot is a good shot more than maybe what you see here. Yeah. Like we tried to a couple of fans yesterday, didn't we? And it was like the first golf tournament they've ever been to. But I think just because it's like a big name and it's known for like the fun around certain holes, people still want to come even if they wouldn't necessarily go to other events. Yeah. And they, I mean, that particular couple were struggling to hold the amount of drinks they had in their hands and that sort of speaks to what you were saying about how this is more of like a day out or a week out where you're just a few beers with your mates there's a there's a lot more like bros here isn't there like shouting and <laughs> also speaks to how big the queues are to get a drink get them all <laughs> yes, while you can well. so that's a very polite clap for tom kim who's hit that to 10 foot so before JT interrupted us by rudely putting it in the water, I was saying that on, you and I were here for the very first tee shot and it was fascinating really, wasn't it? Because we were down on the first tee thinking it was <laughs> going to be- We literally got up at like 4.30, drove an hour here, ran in. We're like, we need to get like, there so, so we, we can get- We didn't even have breakfast. So we we like sprinted to the, to the first tea, tee. And then we walked around the corner and there was literally- no one there. there was it was Marshalls plus us. It was it was us two and Goldman. <laughs> that was it. We, it was so surreal because obviously the Open on the Thursday, and that, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I, I keep making the comparison. And I, I said to you on Thursday, like, I wonder if it's because Floridian golf fans are just so spoiled by well, the amount yeah. of choice they have. Like, I mean, how many PJ Tour events do they have within two or I three mean, hours of the like, Exactly. So I think I think they're and they got Valspar next week isn't too far away, is it? I mean I think that I wonder if there is a certain element of that, but I we, think it's we quite were, nice to watch the golf flow, like especially the first few days. Like unless you're with really, really big names, you can get so close and watch so much golf here. Like it was really nice, especially when we watched those first few holes with the first group, like I'd never really watched Min Woolley up close before and he is a really <laughs> impressive ball striker. Yeah. And he has one of those really interesting ball fights where it actually starts quite low, but then like rises up really high to its peak. And he's like sneaky long. I would not have put him down as a long player, but he was hitting miles past the group he was with. I mean, yesterday he hit like two iron wedge into the last, which is yeah. obscene. I was reading a really cool thing the other day that when he plays with his sister Minji, of course, won a couple of majors on the LPGA. The one rule they have, they play off the same tees, but the one rule they have is he's is that Minwoo's not allowed to use his driver. So that's why, if you're wondering why he's so unbelievable with his driving iron, that's that's the reason, because <laughs> he has to use it when they play against each other. But he's someone, you look at him, uh, I mean, we've been watching him this week, from the, it, literally from the very first tee shot of the tournament. And he dropped a birdie on that very first hole, and you actually turned to me and said, Minwoo's gonna lead the tournament. And here we are, Sunday lunchtime. He's, a, he's still a couple of hours away from teeing off in the last group with Scotty Scheffler. Yeah, you didn't believe me, did you? Just got good instincts. What can I say? He would be a, an incredibly popular winner. I mean, obviously, he would. Scheffler the fans well, have started loving him, haven't they? Like the the woo chance. They give him the woo, don't they? He was 
it, it's interesting because you see kind of two type of players, like the people who love the crowd and the people who are very clearly just trying to get through 17. Yeah. And he was like really embracing it, wasn't he? I kind of wish that put had gone in yesterday. They're just people would have gone absolutely mental, but. Yeah, if you, did, if you didn't see it, that was on Saturday, third round. The, it was a front flag, wasn't it? And Minwoo, who had bogeyed it in the first two rounds, so obviously he was probably a bit nervous standing on the tee. And he had a, what was it, probably 40 feet from the top ledge, and he just tapped it over the, the ridge, didn't he? And then it rolled out, and it was, he had his arm in the air, it was going in, the crowd was, there was some Amps. serious tension. We were, there was, there was, and and by, the, by this point, it was really late in the day, so everyone was buzzed as well. I pissed. Well, yeah. I was just trying to sort of put it nicely. <laughs> and it just, it did just miss. Last minute, it just turned off the side of the hole, didn't it? But yeah, he's, I, I mean, I don't want to keep talking about players' appearance, but he's got that, he's rocking that little tash as well. <laughs> it's been very popular. But he came into the media centre afterwards. And um, so for anyone listening that doesn't know how this works, so you obviously have a media centre where we all just sit in rows and rows, like banks basically, don't we? And then we all have our little space that we sit in for the week and then at the Open or a European Tour event, you generally, if a player comes in for a press conference, you all sort of stand up and you all shift into another room and you, and you do it in there. But here, they just bring the players out and they just sit them in front of you and it's absolutely fantastic. <laughs> so we've actually, it's, I actually prefer it that way because you're sort of forced to hear things that sometimes perhaps if you weren't going to go into a certain player's press conference, you're, you're sort of forced to hear it and you, you sort of, you get little nuggets here and there and it's really interesting. And Minwoo came out last night and he sort of, like JT up and down for bogey. Yep. Back to even. Yeah, Minwoo came in and you're sort of thinking he's just, he was, him and Scotty were tied 13 under on the 18th tee. They were, Scotty was in the group behind Minwoo. But when they, they were both 13 under when they reached the 18th tee, Minwoo misses a five and a half footer for par on 18. And you're sort of thinking any other golfer, or many golfers would come into the into the press centre or into their, their post-round interview and they'd perhaps be a bit annoyed about that but he came in and he was he was just absolutely buzzing that he was I mean he made he said he made it into the tournament by one eighth of a shot in the world ranking points because he's, he's sitting at number 50 and he was said you know it would have been gutting to have missed it or guttering as he said I think it's probably the more Australian way of saying gutting to have missed and then he's here and now he's in the final group of the Masters champion of all people it does show you just how much like it varies week to week though on who's playing the best and who's going to win. Like the whole, like obviously world rankings are important, but essentially, basically anyone who can get in this field has the ability to win. Like that's how just like deep the quality is on PGA Tour. Do you think that's an argument though for this week has been? Feels like it's been a really good argument against those designated events that next year and against having a closed shot because you look at the mixture of the world rankings in the top 10 going into today I think the average was just over 100 or something like that you've got players like Bezaden Wheat from South Africa and you've got Tom Hoagie and Chad Ramey who obviously had a brilliant round on the first day he's sort of fallen away a little bit but he's still there and thereabouts in the top 10 and then Rory McIlroy's gone home I mean we had all that drama on Friday where with Jordan Spieth hitting a spectator, you know, smashed, smashed his ball in towards the water. It was going in the water. He was going to miss the cut. 
and then it hit a spectator's leg, bounced back into play, and then he chips in for eagle, makes it in on the number. You and I were out watching the likes of Tom Kim, Tony Finau, all just on the on the edge of the cut line. Uh, even Justin Thomas, who opened with a pair of seventy threes, and it was just that that added element of drama to it on a Friday. But we weren't watching those players because we were on the cut line. We were watching those players because we wanted to watch them. I think like a big thing that's been clear for me watching this week is like there's just a small handful of certain players that draw the crowds. Like there yeah. are certain groups, and you know there's big players in there because you can see. You can yeah. physically see the fans moving around around them. <laughs> like a wave of people just And following. like it was interesting talking to some of the fans yesterday because like that same couple we chatted to said like, oh well we came to watch Rory and like we could only come on the weekend and we were really glad that actually the cut moved into Saturday so we could see him. Yeah. So like actually for fans, like it is quite frustrating, isn't it? If you are working through the week and you can't come and watch and then it gets to the weekend and the players you want to watch are not here. So maybe actually for the, like, the fan experience of the fact everyone is always going to be there, I think it's a pretty good thing. And also you can obviously see that from like, the sponsors' side. Like, if they know everyone wants to come and watch JT and Spieth, like they want them here at the weekend. Yeah. For us at home, perhaps it doesn't matter if Rory McIlroy goes home at the, for the weekend because we know that next week or the week after or whatever, we're going to be watching him again. But for like, as you say, people on the ground who have come to see Rory... I mean, I spoke to some a family the other day who were absolutely buzzing to be here and see Rory McIlroy. Every person I've asked, who have you come here to see, they said Rory McIlroy. Yeah. Like, whether it be fans, marshals, whatever. So, like, the fact he's not been here for, like, one and a half days. You did have a really good idea, though. Oh, what, just make a cut and then they have to loop around behind them. Yeah, like, people are going to want to do that. All the the players that missed the cut... They're just playing for position I tell you what, I tell you what, if you're... Exposition in the world rankings, like say you're top 20 and you're one of the players that people have come to watch, then basically you have to go to like your lo- the, the Muni next door and you have to play a little <laughs> round there just for, so people at the weekend can come and see you. Imagine missing the cup by one, being still in the field to keep your point, chewing 10 under, you would have won like over the weekend, but you're not. That would be ridiculous. Mate, this is the start of my campaign for Hannah Holder for PJ Tour Commissioner. <laughs> Who have we got coming down now? Scott Stallings and Ben Martin, not quite as sexy as JT and TK, but they're obviously playing better than them, so. See if they manage to not end up in the water. So, just tell me, or the listeners, I already know, tell the listeners a little bit about what you're here to do this week. And so, we're here filming, you and I have been filming a video all week. Just tell them a little bit about what that video is and where they can see it. We've basically done a full vlog of the week, so if you want to see what it's like to come to the players, come to a PGA Tour event, but also come a bit behind the scenes and see like what the media areas are like and what we're doing when we're actually at event, you can see all of that, including us scrambling to the car at 5.30 in the morning, <laughs> running to the first tee chatting to different people we had a really interesting conversation with a greenkeeper about like how they set the course up all the kit they have like how many extra staff they have to bring in for the week which i thought was really interesting there was a lovely moment where <laughs> you and i were walking out and they were setting up the, the course for the following day i think weren't they and then that's they, how early we got had... here on the first day we watched them play the first three holes and then we were like right we're gonna go see what 17 looks like surely there's loads of people here so we walked down 18 and they're still setting the course up. 
<laughs> There's literally every greenkeeper on the property out with leaf blowers. I just, I don't think I'll ever forget you turning to me just going, I wonder how many leaf blowers they have. It's an important question and, and then, it's a and question then, that will be answered. Exactly. Then we asked the, what was his, what was his title? Director of Agronomy. Agronomy. So if you are listening to this and you're desperate to know how many leaf blowers they have, TPC Sawgrass, you'll find out in Hannah's blog. I know it's a hot topic. It's going to bring the fans in. <laughs> sort of feels like quite slow out today, doesn't it? Even though it's two balls. So we, we were both quite surprised that Scheffler and Minwoo in the last group aren't out until, is it something like quarter to two? Yeah, 1.45, given it gets dark here at like six something. I just hope there isn't a playoff, I think, really. I mean, they are two balls, so they should be quicker, but I mean, the three balls were taking over five hours to get around when they were at the end of the field, weren't they? Well, we've been sat here, I'm literally looking at my phone to see how long we've been recording for, and it's 17 minutes. We've been sat here and we've seen JT and Tom Kim play the 16th green and the 17th, and that is it. Oh, there's a ball in coming. Got, there's a ball in the air. <gasps> oh. Water. We are jinxing this. That hit land and bounce back, that's the worst as well. I think I might go as far as saying I've seen more balls in the water than I've seen on the green this week. There was a spell on Friday afternoon. Was it Friday afternoon or Thursday afternoon? Where just everyone seemed like they were hitting it in the water. Like, I swear at least one or two people in every other group was going in the water. It was obscene. On one thing, it made me feel better about the fact I hit it on the water. On the other hand, I felt really bad. <laughs> I was like, this all feels so mean. I mean, it's not, I'm just, we're just looking across the 17 now. It's not quite as packed as it, certainly as it will be later. I mean, I came up here for the last few groups on Saturday and you just couldn't move. You literally couldn't move. I was it trying was. to like squeeze around the back of the green to get to the side and it was absolutely round. My favourite was those group of lads just literally going for every chant they could think of. <laughs> I mean, there's still a lot of people out here and I just, I look at these players and I think, I don't, I don't think I'd be able to even connect with the golf ball in front of, like hitting a shot in front of this many people. It's quite interesting, it's very different to like the open where everyone will be start ch like chatting behind a tee or whatever and then the players arrive and go silent. Yeah. Like that doesn't happen here, like the world just carries on as if like, yeah. when, when, when are I going to stop for you? Yeah. <laughs> It is the weirdest thing ever. So like, I don't know if it's better because there isn't like that deadly silence. It's almost like, oh, well, everyone's just going to carry on. Like they're not really actually noticing that much what I'm doing. Or if it's worse because there is so much going on. It's like, how do I concentrate on the shot? We've just got Netflix sensation Joel Damon going past us and people shouting at him and shouting about People on Joel, you're still 17, take your top off. <laughs> they shout, I got a white claw. <laughs> and they all shout at Gino, because obviously he was a big star of the show as well, wasn't he? I haven't actually watched it yet, which is really bad. Well, I haven't got that far into the series yet. I've got it on my, downloaded on my phone for the plane journey back when I inevitably will not be able to sleep. So unfortunately, we can't go and celebrate the end of the tournament tonight with a few beers because tomorrow we're up at an insane time to go and film at LPGA International. Correct, home of the LPGA. Alex is very annoyed about this. I need to do some prep. I've got a vlog again, every shot filmed. I feel like I need to stay up all night practicing. I haven't hit a ball for a week. 
anything hang, could happen. Well, hang on a second. We went, they, they've got a... So behind... Okay, sorry. Hitting a 30-yard chip shot onto a floating green in a grandstand in the grounds does not count as practice. That is one of the very cool things they've got here. So they've got a replica of 17 by the merch <laughs> tent. I've got and some excellent footage of Alex on there, which will be released which soon. Which will never see the light of day. Maybe I'll just tweet that on your birthday. <laughs> My birthday is September the never. You'll have forgotten about it and then it'll just appear to haunt you. That is the sort of thing you would do. It feels highly unfair given a hundred. That feels like much more October. of a draw than how many leaf blowers are there on the property. That would Although, depends if Steve Carroll's listening or not. I'm going to do my usual segue in, Minwoo Lee, Callaway Paradigm Blair. I haven't got the numbers in front of me now, but there is a ludicrous stat for the start of the year about how many uh, players using Callaway Paradigm Driver have won on the PJ Tour and European Tour this season. Well, Cam has won again today on the European Tour. Is Callaway player? Sorry, DP World Tour. DP World Tour. Yes, with the Paradigm Driver. So that's another one to add to your list. I, I, I'm, I don't know this off the top of my head. I've got it written down in my notepad, which is back in the media centre, but it's, I think that's, off from memory, I think that's 10 from 15 now. Or 10 that from sounds 16. about right. Yeah, which is a ludicrous start to the week. I mean, the John Rams helped that start out a lot. <laughs> yeah, it helps when you've got the best player in the world on your books, but that's why they sign him. That's why they pay him the big bucks and then pay us the slightly less big bucks to talk about it on our podcast. Seamless as always. We're obviously sitting here watching 17. We've talked about how busy 17 is and how rammed it usually is. But I think it is worth noting that actually it's such a big property here that that really just isn't the case anywhere else. I mean, even when 17's rammed, you'll always, apart from, you know, if the final group's coming through on Saturday and Sunday, like you'll always find a little spot to stand and watch. You've got that wonderful bank that goes up the left-hand side of it as you're looking at it from the tee. You've got the big bank behind it. You can obviously be over here on the other side of 60. I mean, this is actually a really good spot. Yeah, we're, we we're hundreds of yards away and we can see it. Oh, it's actually a really nice shot into the tee, actually. I'd like to watch them hit it from here. <laughs> Different angle. But, I think um, this could be a tee. It kind of looks like it could be a tee. You, if you go out on the rest of the golf course, you'll never, ever... Like, it, like obviously, like you say, you have the the marquee groups are being followed, the big name players have their, but it's never like the open where you literally cannot move and you've just got nowhere to go. And there's some lovely little grandstands dotted around. And obviously because it's just blazing sunshine here almost all year, they have roofs on them. They've got bars in, like fully stocked with their expensive light beer. And they've got TV screens. So even between the groups, you can just sit and watch TV for a few minutes. I think it's well suited to like tournament golf though because there's so many like big bankings and things like that so you can get up to different heights and like see so even if it is a busy hole like you can see loads of golf i don't know if the microphones would have picked that up but joel well, david no, is walking that's... from 16 to 17 and someone is screaming one of us at him let's just watch damon and who's playing with him matthias schwab let's watch those guys hit their shots and then maybe we can... Did you buy anything from the merch tent? Pick anything up? I did not buy anything in the merch tent. I am trying to restrict myself as I have spent too much good. in merch tents recently. It's really hard, isn't it? Uh, do you... 
Do you find it a bit strange when you go to these tournaments and people who are not going to the tournaments ask you to pick stuff up from the merch <laughs> tent? I always just think, why would you want a St Andrews Open mug when you haven't been to the St Andrews Open? Do you know what I've never seen before? One, the merch tent was rammed with clothes, like it was mainly clothes, which is quite not uncommon, but there's normally a bigger mix of stuff. Yeah. And two, I swear like 25% of the people on this property, maybe more, like 50%, uh, literally in players merch yeah like they just what well, did you just buy it and put it on in the yeah. shop or like i've never seen so many people in merch they're just carrying at, their they're carrying the their shirt that they came here in in a in plastic, the plastic bag, bag. Yeah. also they have this funny thing here where you can only bring a bag into the tournament if it's see-through so you can basically see the entire contents of everyone's bag who's walking around which is really I was weird stood next to a, an old lady yesterday and I, like she had a little see-through purse on her and she just had like a wad of cash on her. <laughs> at least put it in an envelope I know, I know make it look slightly dodgy at least oh balls in the air Matthias Schwab oh he's leaning oh, oh, oh. oh my god oh, that is clinging on by like two, two strands of grass I only picked up a cap. I'm not really one for buying merch, if I'm honest with you. I don't like logo things. My favourite thing in the shop like were those tiny little alligator toys, like teddies, yeah. with the little players' t-shirts on them, and it said Sorgi on the back. <laughs> like, why am I not 10, and why could I not buy myself well, I was one gonna, of them? I was going to buy those for my kids, but then I just thought, they'll just get thrown in a box in the in their bedroom and never be seen again and I'm $40 down. So I'm going to spend it on backing Minwoo Lee to win the tournament instead. Joel Damon spinning back. Go on. Go on. Stay there. <laughs> I feel like this Netflix documentary has done more for Joel Damon than it has for anyone I agree. else. I feel like it's more fun to see like the people you don't know as much about. Like, all the big names we see them every week in pressers people are asking them questions but like actually the more interesting thing for me anyway is the people you know less about well obviously we've got a season two coming next year and i think they will probably learn a lot from the mistakes and i know you haven't seen it yet but we didn't we didn't know rory McIlroy was going to be in it they released the first trailer just before it came out we all got excited because we saw that rory McIlroy was then going to be in it but then rory McIlroy's episode a lot of it, which was just him sick because he was like you're not coming in my house you're not having my family or anything like that so a lot of it was just him sitting at a tournament either having an awkward conversation with the rams and the morikawas of the world or he was just doing his pieces to camera and really just talking about things we already knew and it felt a bit disappointing but like the best bit about it was getting the likes of joel damon and going into the house and you know the, the shit that damon's been through in his life with his family and stuff like that and obviously then you've got Finau and his family life and i think you can kind of understand that on rory's part though like no, I, sorry, yeah, I, I should point out that I'm absolutely 100%, but what you were just alluding to there, like, it should just be about the lower-name players. Like, these guys are all yeah, going when we mad for Joel Damon. Well, yeah. Real talk. Exactly, yeah. They are doing one, aren't they? They're doing a... Side note, I met the Corders this week. Alex how, did not. He was absolutely got, fuming. How have we got half an hour in? The, literally, there have been... <laughs> there have been... From... When you picked me up at Stockport at 6am on Monday morning until now, we have been probably 
together for 99.99%. <laughs> you managed to slip into a crowd behind 18 and I stayed up at the back and then I lost you. I started walking back to the media centre and you sent me a picture of you standing with a bloody corner. <laughs> oh, the best. That was so good. Nelly, I was fangirling so dog, bad. I was like, it was Jessica actually. Oh, it was Jessica, was it? Yeah. Nelly doesn't like dogs. She's more of a cat person. She does like dogs, but I think Jessica just seemed like she had a bit more chat about her. She was more interested in chit chat. Of all the people I've seen this week, that's who I fangirled over the most. So. <laughs> Maybe. I had my Adam Scott moment this morning. I should have perhaps asked him for a photo, really, but I think he was having an interview with some. He was literally mid interview. He was mid interview with Golf Channel. If I imagine if I just got to put my arm around him, <laughs> mid interview. All right, Adam, how's it going? Glad to see you back in your beige. I actually met him a long time ago at an Aquascutum event. Remember Aquascutum? That was a thing. No. If you had to pick between Spieth and Scott, what would happen? I feel like that's a dilemma for you. Wait, what? To play golf with? To hang out with beers? Or go to dinner? Have a romantic <laughs> evening? What are you talking about? Just in general. Spieth, obviously. <laughs> My dream year would be... Well, I say year. My dream next two months would be Rory to win the Masters, finally, and for Spieth to get the Grand Slam of the PGA. If that happens, I might just quit watching golf forever because I just don't <laughs> think it gets better than that, does it? Like, what's the point in watching golf after that? I really, really hope Rory wins the Masters. It just feels like each year it passes, it's like more tension and less likely it'll happen. Feel I feel it. like this tournament re like reminds me of that. Like, it feels like, obviously it's one of the places where you come back for this event every year, but just like the condition of it and... Damon Birdie, if you're wondering what that shout's all about. The condition of it and the fiddliness of it and like how there's so many different shaped dog legs and you kind of have to shape the ball a little bit in certain places and I feel like who wins here is like a good indicator of who would do well at Augusta, like, well... Obviously, Scott is right up there now, so that helps, but... I feel like, as Min-Woo loves this course, did really well at the Masters last year, didn't he, in his yeah. debut, whatever. You can pronounce it however you want. It's quite interesting, anyway. Let's go just enjoy the day. Right, so we are back at the house. We're no longer sat on 17th. We've been joined by usual slam co-host Matt Chivers. Matt, we're not going to keep you for too long because it's one o'clock in the morning back at home. Mm -hmm. Hannah, we talked about earlier, Hannah had predicted a victory for Min Woo Lee. This was, and we were chatting a, a few hours before he had gone out. And he made such a good start. I, know. First. I was like, here we go. He didn't have the best day at all. But I'm actually going to be a bit smug this time because I called a five-shot Scheffler victory in the press centre this morning. It's no proof. Pretty happy with that. There is no proof of it, but it happened. I've got I've got three witnesses minimum. So, Matt, how was it watching back at home? It was a good start from Mingwu Lee, but the sort of commentary team it was Rich Beam and um, Radar. They sort of um, they thought that conditions would get a bit harder in the in the evening or in in the off in later in the afternoon they so did sort of they, thought, actually, they, they did there was so there was a weather front right. that came in about an hour north of Tallgrass, mm. 
and actually that weather has now come in we have literally just outrun a tornado where we were driving yeah. back and it flashed up in the car saying there's a tornado warning but yeah <laughs> so we were like racing to get home <laughs> as quickly as we could by wendy's of course i don't think it was as bad as they thought it was going to be though it definitely got no. windier than it was, it was yeah, the start of the day but it was nowhere near as like it wasn't any any worse than it had been like mm. on friday when it was windy in the afternoon yeah but yeah, I suppose it wasn't really a scoring day because Sheffield obviously would, obviously did win by five shots, but he, he did only shoot three under. He didn't, he didn't really go that deep. He went sort of, he didn't go five or six under. Not, not, not like Till Hatton anyway, because that's what that's when I thought when obviously Hatton birthed his last five holes and posted 12 under. He sort of thought the way the, the weather was sort of shaping up, that might have been a decent mark. But um, no, it's just sort of classic Sheffield, wasn't it? You sort of, I sort of compare it to like, Whenever there's like an issue he sort of faces in a round, it's like a it's like a leak. He just sort of plugs it. Like it sort of reminded me of when he won the Masters. He's I think Cam Smith sort of narrowed it down to like a one shot lead at the Masters in the first few holes, and then Scheffler chipped in, and that's literally what happened today. Like he, he, he was just sort of if at any point where he thought he was going to get pegged back, he just sort of get a birdie or get a crucial par, and then that chipping was literally personified that, and he just sort of didn't stop, did he? Very similar to what John Rahm described it described described him as either last week or a few weeks ago. He's he's not that lot sort of spectacular. But by the end of the round he's shot like a sixty sixty seven or a sixteen or sixty nine it was today. Well this is um, this is what I mean. Yeah. Like we yesterday <clears throat> described I described him as a silent assassin, because that's sort of what he's like, isn't he? But mm. he's I mean, his victories are incredible. I mean, we we talked about in his press conference mm. about 392 days in which time he's had eight prefer- uh, sorry six pga tour wins starting with the this is his roll call of tournaments he's won phoenix open api wgc match play masters phoenix again and the players championships i mean these aren't opposite field events they are six of the best tournaments you could win he's won them all within 392 days and there was that lovely moment where he said how has that year or so been for you and he just said fun well, I can understand. It's very fun earning over three thirty million dollars as well. State is ball striking though. Like I watched him in some of the practice rounds. I was literally sat right behind him on the tee, and there was literally no one there. So you could get really close. And like, obviously, it hits the golf ball incredible. Like he's not just he doesn't mm. just sneak up out of nowhere. Like his obviously his golf is exceptionally good. Mm. He's a bit of a sneaky long player as well. I was sort of thinking when I was watching, like look, he, he's he sort of transfers a lot of force with his legs and his feet doesn't he so I sort of thought how far does he hit it and I looked on the PJ Tour stats sort of section and he's I think he's 23rd on the tour which is decent obviously and then um, he was second in strokes gained off the tee and strokes gained from tee to green I think before today yeah yeah it just feels like he's ticking off these events like he's ticked off the Masters he's ticked off the Phoenix Open the Arnold Palmer and now he's just ticked off the players I sort of feel like he does have a bit of... He won the Phoenix twice. It's like, oh, that's not yeah. going to ever tick to the Northern Ireland. Only got that one. No, I suppose so, yeah. I suspect he'd trade it in for a US Open or a PGA yeah. or one Open. What's quite interesting, on he had a four or five shot lead on 16, didn't he? And he parred 16. But I don't know if, it, if if you saw it on your screen that you were watching it on, but so he, he just before he went on to 17, he just seen Fleetwood hit it in the water short. And the last... Um, 18 players that had gone through there before Sheffield and Minwoo Lee, they played it in 16 over par, and there have been six balls in the water. So, obviously, he didn't know that, but 
he, he fist pumped when he found the green on the 17th because that was sort of that, that was the tee shot on 17 was the last chance really that he could ruin it I think for himself yeah. and he sort of didn't but I, th- I feel like he's got a bit of like an air of nerves about him a bit of anxiety about him. Well, he, he did say in his press conference that he spoke to Ted Scott and said, like when he saw that he was five clear, he just turned to his caddy and just said, are we still just playing this golf course normally? Mm. You know, or are we going to change tactics really is what he's implying there. Mm. And he did, he did mention 17 as well. I mean, Aaron Rye, bless him, <laughs> just triple yeah. it in two groups in front of him. So Aaron Rye played it in seven shots in over the weekend with a, a six and a one. <laughs> So yeah, and then and then obviously, like you say, there's there's every possibility that he dunks it in the water at 17 or makes a mess of 18 and doesn't win the tournament. Even I mean, it, it's a golf course you can't go to with a 17 with a five shot win. Sorry, I stumbled there because a massive flash of lightning just lit up the room. It's a golf course where you can't go to the last two holes with any kind of lead and be confident of vi- of victory. Mm. I found find it quite funny. He's so he completed 17. He got past that and on 18. He was obviously never ever going to go near the water. Like he he pushed it right into the pine straw, and as he sort of saw his ball going into the trees, he sort of smiled. I just sort of thought that's so similar to the way he won the Masters. Like didn't he four putt the last green? Yeah. And he was just sort of stood there yeah. laughing as well. So he's had a couple of wins where like he, he he's literally been able to have a laugh on the last hole. I saw I think the fried egg tweeted something that was quite funny. They tweeted saying on the last hole, Scotty should play to the left of the water on 18 to make it more interesting. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it's out of bounds anyway, isn't it? I think Deshambo <laughs> said something about that in previous years where he said, I'm, g- I'm going to play over to, in typical Deshambo fashion, I'm yeah. going to play over to the left of the water to give myself a better angle in. But yeah, yeah. is he, uh, this is a question for both of you, is he, and we say this about everyone, like obviously we, I, I think Brooks Kepka was probably the last person who we, ask this about after some serious victories is he grand slam material is he multi-major champion material i think the rate at which he's winning at yeah i think you'd have to say i feel like jordan i feel like if you if you told if you reeled off the people who have done a grand slam and then if you ask golf fans who do you think is on he only, only needs one more to get a grand slam i think they'd probably say roy McIlroy. i don't think they'd as, as much say jordan spieth I think that's because Jordan Spieth, I think his his majors have sort of been well placed. He's won obviously one of one of each, apart from the last one. Whereas McIlroy's won two PGAs. We already discussed earlier when we were sat by seventeen, which was earlier in this podcast, that we've decided that the next two months is going to be Rory Masters Slam and then Spieth PGA Slam. Alex has decided this. But and then and then I'm just going to stop watching golf because it just doesn't mm. get better than that. Well, as long I as I know. like Scott is probably one of the most likely of the people who's not got like just one left to mm. do it. Like you've got to think him or Brown are like the most likely to do that. He just, even though he says he's nervous, like he stays so cool in those scenarios and just plays his game and does it around mm. like the hardest courses and the hardest setups. Mm. I guess maybe the big question would be like, maybe the Open, like the most of the courses he's won yeah. on, like, very yeah. style but then you have to have the shots to win at Augusta so it's not like he can't hit different shots and deal with that mm. um, but maybe that'll be the one he'll have to like adapt his game the most his open record just looked it up is tied eighth at St George's in your gaff and tied 21 at St Andrews last year 
So, yeah. I feel like I feel, I feel like the open this year could be sort of anyone's open. But like, like I was, I, the point I was trying to make then was, for example, Justin Thomas has won two majors, but he's nowhere near doing a Grand Slam, is he? Because he obviously he's won the same major. Mm-hmm. So that's where sort of Spieth's majors have have, have fallen fallen in, in the right way because he only needs one more to tick off the list. And that's where she, sort of Scheffler and Rahm will have to fall in the right way as well. Because if he wins three US Opens, John Rahm. It'll never, it obviously, never even be close to a Grand Slam. But, but you have to say those two, obviously, maybe Justin Thomas, but perhaps he's how old? He's a bit older than the other two, isn't he? About two or three years older. So they've got plenty of majors to play in, haven't they? Of course. What I want to ask you, watching back at home, was how much did the slow play affect the coverage? Because here hmm. it was, we went out for the back nine for the final group. And it was painful. I mean, Scheffler and Minwoo Lee had to wait on the 11th tee for, it was easily 15 minutes. So does that come across back at home? Because, I mean, Minwoo Lee just, I mean, we'll get to this in a second because he basically almost killed me. But he piped (laughs) his uh, drive on on the 11th, having had to wait so long. So what was that that like for you back at home? I, to be honest, I didn't. I think I don't think I clocked onto it as much as you you, you would have done at the course. Well, that's because obviously it's cutting to other people. Yeah, like playing. But but you do sort of clock on that they do wait. But I can't say I don't. I didn't pick up that on the on the broadcast as much. But as I'm but I think. I interested in the um, press center the other day because the head of rules basically came in when they had to stop play for weather. And he just basically said, yeah, the field size is too big for the daylight. Like, we can mm. never get everyone around, but we don't want to compromise on having less people in the field. So we basically just accept the cut's probably mm. going to be on Saturday at some point, not on Friday. It was Chief Referee Gary Young who said right. <clears throat> that it, the rounds had been between 4.55 and 5 hours 30, which is he said also was in line with expectation, but still... Yeah, I'm just reading on Twitter now. And so also, the last, if you have the last group took nearly five and a half hours on Saturday. No, I think when, especially at the weekend, when they bring the tee up at twelve, don't they? So every, I mean, the backlog at eleven today was because obviously everyone was trying to drive twelve. Mm. So was it a hurling shot that hit the pin? Yeah, at twelve. Yeah. yeah, and nearly into the what? Everyone was complaining about that strip of rough, and I was thinking it would be really mean if it hit the pin and his ball went straight in the water. I don't think that strip of rough should be there. I think if you, I mean, obviously it would have been horrible for Homer because he hit the pin, but if you hit a bad shot there, you deserve to go in the water. Yeah, but that's a tiny strip of rough, right? And that's a tiny target for him driver into. And you, mm. the only way that rough holds it up, up is if you've like hit a decent shot that's on the green and it's just trickled off. Like, if you miss the green left and it hits the slope, it's bouncing through that rock because it's so thin. I did clock onto that debate on Twitter, actually. There was quite a few people chiming in on that bit, on that piece of or piece of rough, because... The most Hideki, controversial strip of grass. In yeah, the I think Hideki got forgiven by it. I think he nearly um, did his classic one, one arms follow through. I think his ball just rained above the water. And a few comments that, saying that Hideki shot is a really good example of a of a shot that should have gone in the water. Like he deserves mm. to be punished for that because it was just horrible. Mm. I guess it depends what you want to watch though, because they shave that off and the ball more like to go in when everyone wins. Yeah, just lay up, yeah. Mm. But I suppose yeah. technically, yeah, I, I understand people not liking it because technically, I suppose, but the, but there's those people that don't like it would, would maybe say you either with that tee shot, you either hit it on the green or hit it in the water. There's no other there's no other option if you if, if you go for it. There's no sort of in between, or, or there shouldn't be an in between. Anyway, that was that little strip of water right there was where 
when Minwoo Lee smashed his drive into the tree. I was just sitting piece. It was mm. like we we talked about it on the podcast this morning, but just a lovely golf course to just go and find a really nice quiet spot to just sit and watch a day of golf it was you could either go somewhere manic like 17 and just get involved in the crowds and still enjoy your day of course but there's also because it's just so big and there's so much space to go so I'm sitting there I just heard this huge crack right above my head (laughs) I looked over and Minwoo Lee's ball landed probably 10 feet behind me so I almost got a signed glove and then up at 14 Hannah almost got there was something about that final drink there were they were desperately trying to hit yeah. us, weren't they? Literally, Sky's ball landed six feet in front of me. And then Minwoo hit, and Radar was up with his cameraman right mm. next to me, and it hit the camera. Like, if it Jesus. had been half a foot further right, maybe even less than that, it would have hit the camera and got back ahead. Just before Scotty got there, you should have just sort of laid on the floor holding your eye. <laughs> Shame it would have been Minwoo today, really. I think that we should have a word for Minwoo Lee, really, because... He was the real, I don't want to say he was the real winner because that's a massive cliche, but he was, he's, he's made himself a star this week, hasn't he? Yeah, certainly. All over in the last round, which is a bit disappointing, but two sevens, which obviously doesn't help anyone's cards. But I think unless American fans are sort of up to, up to date with Minwoo Lee, I think he sort of documented what he's like in, in a, on a big American stage now. Because I think as European golf fans, we've all, we're all aware of what he's capable of winning twice in the DP World Tour and he's got like this, this, this like class swing. Um, so he's really sort of documented himself on, on, on sort of a big American stage now. And I thought, I think Radar made a really interesting point during the broadcast. Um, when he, he was sort of collapsing down the leaderboards, making these sort of high scores, I think Radar made a great point. He said is he now needs to sort of look at his score and really sort of dig deep now because if he dropped out the top 10, with them for next week for example like the Valspar he would then have to use up one of his sponsorship exemptions to then play at the Valspar so by getting a top 10 I think he earns himself a start without using up his sponsorship so I thought that was a little good a good insight into how um how important it is to finish well um if you can't win but yeah I'm sure I'm sure I'm sure he'll be back um it was nice to see him in in just represented up top of the leaderboard um but the best this is an example of of a tournament where when there's only one or two good players at the top of the leaderboards, that just was was always going to win. Scheffler against that chasing pack, there was only going to be ever be one winner. I think wasn't there? Minwoo was tied 14 at last year's Masters. Hannah's made the case for him earlier in the podcast, playing well around a, a course like TPC Sawgrasses. Mm. Puts you in good shape for Augusta. So do you fancy his chances? Are you going to slip a little fiver on him? Potentially, I did have a five on Scotty Scheffler after the previous podcast we had. That was a nice little, that's not a nice little bonus. Um, is is he qualified for the Masters? Is he? Is, is he in the top fifty? Well, yeah, is he got that? in. He got into the he got into the players on the number, didn't he? So you have to mm. assume that he's finished tight yeah, six. He must be, yeah. go up in the rankings, isn't he? Yeah, but <laughs> he's he's a very sort of aesthetically pleasing player as well, Mamouli. Like these like low irons he was hitting off the tee around sort of grass was brilliant as well. Yeah, he's a lovely player. We mm. just, we genuinely, and I don't think it's only that. I think it's the fact that he just generally was really enjoying himself. I mean, obviously, he'll go home, he'll look into what happened today with his team. They will try and work out what went wrong and why. But he ne- the smile never came off his face. On 17, mm. he dropped the birdie and he was fist pumping the crowd, and we were all 
singing and it was really good to see and you know like you said he's he i think he's the kind he's got the personality and they love the mm. Aussies over here don't they he's got the kind of personality and the kind of game and i think he will he will be a huge pga tour favorite for many years to come but he's only 24 isn't he which is pretty insane as well and not even the best golfer in his family is he yeah which is pretty incredible because he's probably top 50 in the world and come tied sixth at the players he is not currently in the Masters field. Oh, it needs to be in the top 50, but in, by the week before, I think. I think that's another ex- um, exemption. Okay. Well, he'll definitely move up, won't he? Like, he'll mm. move up into the 40s, surely, now. Um, and he's just got to stay there. M tied sixth next to his fellow Aussie, Cam Davis, as well. Jason Day, another Aussie, tied 19th. Christian Bezade, Newt, South African, tied 13th. He didn't really have a good day today. He was on, he's won 10 under par quite early on, Bezade, Newt. But again, he, he sort of came undone. A lot of players came undone, I feel like, today. I felt like there was a lot of girls at 17 at the end of the day. There's a lot of balls in the water, wasn't there? Well, yeah. How soul distracting must it be, though, if you've got like, a perfect car going and then you have like a 7 on 17? Just think, I've got this far. The green's only there. do not even look that far away. Well, there's a really good example of that, of Taylor Montgomery, who was tied fourth, I think. Matt, you had the numbers. He was in a four-way tie for fourth, which pays a million. But then he had a stretch. He ended up finishing tied 44th, which pays 75 grand. So he lost over 900, 900 grand through a stretch of holes. On the fifth, on the 15th, he had a five. On the 16th, he had a seven. And on the 17th, he had a seven. And then he actually parred the last. But yeah, so in the space of a few holes, he lost like 900 grand. So that was it was such a volatile leaderboard in that sense. Absolutely brutal, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> but it just shows, doesn't it? Like we were saying earlier, that Scheffler could quite easily have just dumped mm. it in the water at 17 and lost a five-shot lead, and that's just what happens there. There's not many courses on the PGA Tour where I, I, don't, I don't I don't think that that must be one of the biggest sort of card wreckers on the PGA Tour. They're all they're all in Florida, aren't they? The sawgrass, the bear trap, mm. absolute card wrecker that hole, especially today. I think the wind was sort of, sort of going. I think Scotty was saying it was going straight across today, was it? Did you notice that? Yeah, yeah straight across. Mm. And then also, the problem is there's like grandstands in some bits, but not in other bits. So like the wind swirls through in certain places more than mm. others. I think it's a little bit more open by the green than it is by the tee, so they can't always feel it as much. Yeah. I think the big issue is just connecting with the golf ball. I don't think I'd even be thinking about the wind. Right, mm. I think uh, that's that's probably enough we've been talking about the players for a long time matt thanks for staying up and no worries joining no worries. us i'm glad you enjoyed it i'll uh i'll make sure you're here next time hannah <laughs> we had a very fun week you can go back to your own podcast now <laughs> if you are a gear nerd hannah has a very gear nerdy podcast so go and listen to that obviously there's from the clubhouse which is steve carroll and tom owen talking about absolutely anything to do with the Mm. grassroots game probably white belts and stuff like that and hannah well hannah as i mentioned earlier is here to film a video about what it's like behind the scenes at the players so that will be on her youtube channel soon let's just say soon Mm. or if you're listening to to this a couple of weeks down the line maybe it's already there it's a bit like when tv shows go on dave isn't it (laughs) all right guys appreciate that i'll speak to you later Right, cheers, Cinebit.